Good morning. Please open your Bibles to James chapter 5 and Matthew chapter 6. Our sermon this morning is going to be a little bit more like a seminar. I've done this before where um, it it is going to feel a little bit less like a a sermon and there's going to be a little bit more audience participation. Um, We're going to be talking this morning about public and private prayer. So, uh, you know, in your Christian life, you you need to have a public and sort of private uh, Christian life. And that, that might sound strange. A lot of people think that your religious life should be entirely private, but it really does need to come out into the public sometimes. Um, you need to have public religious expression. You need to have, and I don't mean in a public forum for political reasons or anything like that. I just kind of mean uh, with people in public, with your coworkers, with your neighbors. Don't, don't hide the fact that you are a believer. Hide any of your... Um, beliefs or or anything like that and and be be a Jesus follower in public in person um don't let your don't let your christian life be a secret if if people don't even know you're a christian then uh, to me that's a real kind of a red flag uh but your your religious life is not just for show it's also not just for uh public consumption it's not just to win you points in public it's uh, it needs to be private. There needs to be, you need to have a private walk with Jesus and sort of a public walk with Jesus. Uh, you know, if you think about your your spouse, maybe, or other friends, um, is you you and your spouse, are is it, you live together, but nobody even knows it? Nobody knows you're married? Is, is that a, that would be a strange thing for people to never know that somebody was married, um, for their married life to be completely private, completely secretive? That'd be kind of strange. Uh, people need to see you in public with your spouse. Um, same thing with any kind of a friend. You know, if, you, if you've got a friend, but you only ever want to talk to that friend in very private settings, you never want them to be seen with you in public, shouldn't that be a kind of a red flag to that friend? Jesus had a very public and a very private religious life. His walk with his father was a very public thing and a very private thing. It was both. Uh, so we need to kind of have our our religious life, our life of faith, our walk with Christ, be um, be both public and private. Um, what we're going to look at first is your private prayer life, your private prayer life. We're going to read Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 5. Let's pray and then let's get into the Word. Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you for your Word and what it teaches us. Holy Spirit, please be our teacher this morning. Help us to understand um, what our prayer life is what our walk with you is supposed to be like and help us to um, never do things for show, but never be afraid to do things in public either. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Jesus in Matthew chapter 6 verse 5, this is part of the Sermon on the Mount. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. And then in that passage, he goes on to... Uh, to give what we call the Lord's Prayer. But anyway, let's talk a little bit about uh, private prayer. What's supposed to happen in your cl- your prayer closet, as some people sort of have. What you're supposed to do there is you're supposed to connect with your Savior very intimately 
and very personally. You're supposed to talk about things with him there that you just wouldn't talk about with any other person. You can have incredible honesty in your prayer closet when it's just you and Jesus. He knows exactly what you feel. The darkest emotions you have, the most bitter jealousies or whatever you've got going on, the biggest fears you've got, take them to Jesus very privately and pour your heart out to him. Tell him exactly how you feel. And Jesus on the mountain expressed everything to his father that his father needed to hear him say. His father gave him great assurance and great guidance when they were on the mountaintop together uh, that way. I also think of Hannah asking for a child. This is in 1 Samuel chapter 1. Um, she was very heartbroken. She had a very bitter soul. She had a lot of jealousy, and, and it was a real... Uh, she felt like a mark on her character that she couldn't have a child, and she took that to the Lord. Now, it was in public. It was at the tabernacle, but she was in private prayer uh, when Eli, the priest, saw her there. She was revealing her deepest longings uh, uh, to the Lord, and she she even lost her dignity. She was so uh, upset, crying, uh, that Eli assumed she was drunk. Uh, so sort of these undignified displays of emotion. Uh, take it to Jesus. Take it to your prayer closet. Get as undignified as you want. Just lay down, prostrate on the floor, and tell him absolutely everything you're thinking and feeling, and you'll connect with him. Uh, but also you need to go to your prayer closet uh, with great confession, confessing things that you wouldn't confess to other people, telling Jesus just how much transformation you need and what different kinds of ways you need that transformation. Tell him everything. Um, give him a Psalm 51 kind of confession and repentance prayer. Also, you can just be very totally honest with all of your anger and all of the revenge in your heart uh, in your prayer closet. Be totally honest with no restraint. Say anything you want to say. You don't have to have any kind of decorum. You don't have to be dignified. You don't have to be respectful. You don't have to be tactful or anything. Psalm 109 is a a very uh, unrestrained, almost mean prayer. Um, look at it and you'll see exactly how far you can go in just letting all of your emotion go in prayer. Um, also, it's a good place to go to your prayer closet to receive direction from the Lord because the fact is you don't always want everybody's advice. You don't want everybody to to know exactly all the decisions that you're trying to make. So take it to a very private place and let Jesus give you um, sort of answers, guidance, um, direction for your life before he chose the disciples. He spent the night in prayer alone with his father and he told the father everything he uh, was thinking, feeling, hoping, and, and he was also asking, Lord, who are the 12? Who do I choose? And then he came out and he chose them. You should also just practice private prayer sort of as a discipline. Um, maybe there's not a whole lot of big going on in your life, but at the very least, you need to have it as a discipline in your life. In Daniel chapter 6, that discipline that he had was threatened by the king was king's decrees, uh, but he went to his, his prayer room and threw open his windows as he always did, and he prayed toward Jerusalem just as, as his discipline always directed him to do. He had a real discipline of prayer, and we need to have that too. Whether we know what we need to be praying for or not, it's very important for us to 
Go to the Lord in prayer daily as a discipline. So how do you do it? How do you do a prayer? How do you do a private prayer? Well, you open with an address appropriate for who you need God to be at the moment. Now, God is always just who he is. We don't mold him or make him into our our image. But there are a lot of different ways to address God. If you need a father, ask for a father. If you need a teacher, ask for the teacher. If you need Lord to give you a direction, orders, commands, then ask for Lord. If you need friend, ask for friend. Uh, if you need holy God and a powerful, almighty, sovereign of the universe, Lord of the armies of heaven, ask for him and he will do battle for you. Ask for the gentle shepherd if you need the gentle shepherd. Then I would always say it's important to express thanks. Thanks for salvation. Thanks for provision for your life, for oxygen, for everything. And then after that, just be honest. Honest, honest about how you're feeling. About Honest about what you need. Honest about what you need God to do. What you think you need God to do. And then after that, uh, uh, to me, it's very important for you to just sort of take a deep breath and listen. Uh, and I don't want to encourage uh, anybody to be overly mystical, but the fact is I do think that we can hear from God in prayer. I do think the Holy Spirit will bring things to mind, move us to uh, to do something, uh, give us orders, if we'll stop and, and listen. And I say take a deep breath, um, and this is a little bit of an aside, but I think it's valuable. The the word for the name for God, God's name, that when, when Moses was on Mount Sinai and he said, what's your name? God said, I am that I am. And that's uh, um, that's translated to us into English. It kind of came handed down as Jehovah. Um, but the, the way that, that uh, it's expressed in Hebrew is Yahweh, Yahweh. And Jewish people, conservative Jewish people, won't even say that out loud. They say that it's a... It's a holy name. We don't ever want to take it in vain, so we're not even going to say it out loud. Some people say that it's really kind of impossible even for us to correctly or properly say the name of God. Um, but Yahweh is his name. And some of the old rabbis once said that the the closest thing that humans could get to properly pronouncing that name is just the sound of breathing. Uh, and that really informs us as to, in, in verses like, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. What I always think when I hear that, that and when I think about it, what I think about it is that everything on earth that is living praises his name all the time just by breathing. And if you're ever losing your breath, what do you do? You breathe louder. Uh, you praise his name even louder. Uh, and then what happens when you stop praising his name? You die. And even the enemies of God are out there breathing, and they're even saying his name, praising his name all the animals on the earth, all praising his name. I am that I am is his name. In, in Chinese, his name is uh, what he said to Moses. He said, I am the Ziyo Yongyo. And what that means is I, I exist in myself and I exist forever. I think that's a great definition of how we should understand God and his name. I exist in myself. I, no, nobody sustains me. I have always existed and I always will exist. I think that's a great way, Yahweh. In Chinese, they call him Yehohua. Uh, and so take a deep breath and let that be your praise of his name. And then listen. And then how do we end a prayer? We always say, in Jesus' name I pray, amen, to remind ourselves that Jesus, only Jesus, is our access to God. All right, so how do you, so let's go ahead and pray. Let me just stop, stop right here and let you say a personal prayer, a private prayer, where you are under your breath, um, or 
in your heart, in your mind. Say a prayer. Give thank, Address God properly. And give him thanks. And then just be honest about how you're feeling and the, what you need in your life right now. And then I'll tell you to take a deep breath and listen and give you a few moments. And then I'll tell you how to... Then we'll all kind of close our prayers, okay? I'll give you about 20 seconds to do that. I know it's short, but uh, for the exercise, let's do it. Now take a deep breath in, out, and listen. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now we move to public prayer. Uh, public prayer. Let's read James chapter 5. James chapter 5, starting in verse 13. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Um, these are all prayers that would be given together in front of other people. Elijah's is a, a real confrontational prayer that takes place in 1 Kings chapter 17 and 18. Um, but when we pray, when we pray publicly or when we're praying with other people, what kinds of prayers do we do then? What are we, what are we doing when we're praying publicly? Well, one of the ways that we pray publicly is as a call to worship. We pray at the beginning of our um, worship services here. We do a large congregational prayer right before the sermon. Um, we pray to call people to worship. And uh, you, you can do that formally in a, in a Sunday morning worship service or just in front of a, at the beginning of a, um, of a, a Bible study. It's very important for everybody to open their Bible studies up with a word of prayer and ask the Lord to be there among them and uh, uh, clear our minds of anything else and then ask the Holy Spirit to be our teacher. Uh, it's important to, uh, and I don't want to be legalistic about it or anything, but I think it's a very good idea to say a, a prayer before meals. I have a, a sort of a table grace that your family uh, does together. In, in Luke chapter 24, after the resurrection, Jesus is walking with a couple of guys to Emmaus, and they didn't recognize him. They didn't know, and he, he was teaching them, and they were their hearts were burning within them, just like when they were with Jesus. And and how did they finally recognize Jesus? It was when he prayed his table grace. And I have a feeling that Jesus kind of had a standard table grace that he used that was always, uh, it wasn't just perfunctory, it was always heartfelt, but uh, it was Jesus praying in front of a meal the way only he can do. And they recognized him that way. I also think it's a good idea for us to end any kind of a heavy conversation with a prayer. Uh, if you're um, parting ways with somebody, if you've had an argument with somebody, whatever it is, if you've had a very difficult conversation, difficult interaction, I think it's a good idea to pause and pray and ask God to heal relationship or guide people and help them to process what they've just gone through. And, and I almost think of that as being kind of like Paul's benedictions at the end of his epistles. His His epistles were written down, but they were all heavy, confrontational, 
um, conversations that he was having with these churches. They had a difficulty with him. They had a beef with him. He had a beef with them. Uh, so there was confrontation. There was instruction. There was realignment. And then he kind of ends with a, with a nice benediction. Uh, and he preaches the gospel throughout. And uh, Prayer was a really big part of everything that he uh, did when he was trying to correct people. So I think it's only appropriate that after we have a heavy conversation with somebody that we say, hey, let's let's just pause for a second and pray over this. Uh, in James chapter 5 specifically, it says, uh, pray with people for healing. So if you're doing a hospital visit or if uh, somebody in your family is sick or if somebody um, in church is is sick or battling some kind of illness, it's important for us to pray for that person and pray for them out loud. Uh, and then finally here, spiritual warfare, spiritual warfare. Now, and, and I don't necessarily want to encourage everybody to just sort of go into the devil's lair and start praying, but I can promise you that anytime you pray for somebody, especially praying for somebody's salvation, you are doing spiritual warfare. Uh, every time we pray, we're either advancing the kingdom of God or not. And so um, if we if we are praying, we are advancing the kingdom of God, and that is spiritual warfare. So uh, just be aware that... Uh, that prayer is a kind of a warfare, and prayer is pushing back against darkness. Um, so just be aware of that. Now, how do you do it? Well, it's kind of the same way. As a, as a private prayer, you open with an address appropriate for who you need God to be at that moment. You express thanks. And then you need to be as honest as is appropriate about the present situation. So this is a, kind of how it would be different. In, in private prayer, say anything you want. Say everything you feel. Uh, but in, in a public prayer, prayer with another person, I think it's important to keep it appropriate, keep it dignified. Um, say what you're feeling, say what you need, and say what you need God to do, but always keep it dignified and appropriate. And ask God to bless using hopeful and optimistic words, but don't be deluded. Um, there are times when uh, we may be moved or we may think it's appropriate or whatever to pray for things that really aren't going to happen. Uh, especially when I think about doing a hospital visit or, or visiting with somebody who's at the, the end of their life. I always want to uh, pray for healing, but if, if it looks like somebody's not going to be healed, if it looks like this is the end of somebody's life, um, if they're just hours away from death, I'm not going to ask God to heal because I feel like he's already given his answer in that way. Uh, but what I will do is ask for God to give strength and courage and uh, uh, for the the person and for their family to face the days ahead, to face the hours ahead. Um, I think it it's appropriate to do that. Uh, I think it's it's good to be hopeful and optimistic about um, somebody dying well. But I don't want to ask somebody. Uh, I don't want to ask for healing for somebody who's obviously just moments away from dying. If it's a child, of course, I'm always going to ask for that. I'm always going to ask for that. But the fact is, if somebody's 98 years old and has been uh, diagnosed with terrible Ebola and all this stuff, and probably the chances are that they're, they're going to pass. And I don't want to be deluded with my prayers. And then I'll end it the same way. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So now this is what I want you to do. I, um, oh, one, one more thing. I, there are some things I want you to avoid when you're doing uh, public prayer, when you're praying in front of other people. Uh, don't assume a contrived tone of voice. I know people who they speak to me with one voice, they speak to God with another voice. That's unnecessary. You don't need to do that. Um, you don't need to tremble, uh, uh, you know, in a contrived way in front of God, something like that. It's a, it's a very 
strange thing. I've also heard people be almost like they're speaking to 10,000 people. You know, they're, they're, they're speaking to me. They're, it's just me and them and God, but they're speaking to God as if he were very far away and as if he only, um, he only answers prayers done with a uh, college-level uh, vocabulary, and that's unnecessary. And don't pray too long. You don't need to pray too long. Your pr- prayers can be brief uh, as long as they're intense and they're frequent. Um, and don't repeat yourself. People say just. Lord, just just do this. Just do that. Just do this. Just just please be. Just please, you know. People do that, and they do that because they don't know what else to say. So please don't repeat yourself. If If the Holy Spirit has stopped giving you words, then stop praying. I would also tell you, don't lay hands on the opposite sex. Um, put, a sh- put your hand on her shoulder, if anything, um, and only if you know it's okay. Uh, but you don't have to touch somebody. I know that the Bible talks about laying hands on people, but that's a different culture, different different standards of uh, of um, interaction in a way. And I, and I think um, you, you don't need to think that you're conveying some kind of power through you or something like that. It all comes from the Lord. So you don't need to lay a hand on somebody. If we're ordaining or something like that, then sure, that's fine. Um, but if it's the opposite sex, just don't don't worry about that. You don't need to do that. So let's spend some moment praying, some moments praying, okay? Now, and I, I kind of have a little exercise for you. So here you're going to have to pray out loud, okay? And that may be uncomfortable for you. And if this is your first time here, you're exempt. Uh, but if you've been here for a little while, you're not exempt. Uh, I want to I make you a little bit uncomfortable here. And I want to have you pair up in, into sort of partners. And so somebody's going to be a person A, and somebody else is going to be a person B, and you're going to spend a moment or two praying uh, for each other. And so I'm going to set up a scenario here. Um, prayer giver A, uh, here's your scenario. You're opening a Bible study. So imagine that you and your partner are about to study a passage of Scripture, uh, and I want you to pray, uh, open it up with a, an appropriate address, give thanks, and then ask God to be your teacher, to guide your discussion and help you see how to apply the passage to your life, and then uh, close the, the prayer appropriately. Okay? So just like you're opening up a Bible study, all right? I'm going to give you about 20 seconds and go. All right, prayer giver B, we're going to change the scenario. You're going to pray for the, uh, your partner here, and what you're going to do is you're going to imagine that you're visiting your friend in the hospital, and he or she has bubonic plague, okay? And uh, that's something that's terrifying in the, in, the, in the years past, but these days, simple course of antibiotics, and you'll be, you'll be fit as a fiddle. So I want you to pray that God will heal your friend, comfort your friend, and guide the doctors during treatment, and be sure to open and close your prayer appropriately, okay? All right, go. All right. Um, and in our, in our James passage, James is telling us to be people of prayer in every situation. Bring every emotion, every need, every struggle, every conflict, every fear to God in prayer. Let your first instinct always be to tell God your Heavenly Father. Uh, let your first instinct be to plead with Jesus, to plead on your behalf. And let your first instinct always to be to ask the Holy Spirit to act and to empower you to act as well. And so always pray. Pray to God so that heaven will move in every situation. Pray and ask God that uh, what you should do so that earth will be moving with God's guidance. 
when a need arises, my temptations will always be there to either act on my own without God or to pray and ask God to move and then do, do nothing with myself. But the truth is, when we have a need, I don't want just earth to act and I don't want just heaven to act alone either. I want heaven and earth to act to resolve my need or my concern. And that's what prayer is. Heaven and earth moving in concert to bring about the good will and the good plan of God. All right. You are dismissed. Have a very good day.